You're listening to Contact High, a podcast exploring down-to-earth Judaism in conversation. This week, we're bringing you a bonus episode in preparation for Passover, featuring not one, but two Mishkan rabbis, Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens. Take a listen as Rabbi Lizzie and Rabbi Dina dive into the ancient art of deep cleaning your kitchen and the power of doing a spiritual check-in six months after the high holidays. Hello, Rabbi Dina Cowens. Hey, Rabbi Lizzie. I am so happy to have you as a guest feature on this bonus episode of Contact Chai. And the reason why this moment is happening is because a few days ago in staff meeting, as we all went around and, you know, talked about our varying degrees of happiness and unhappiness and how we're doing during this pandemic, you said that you are really looking forward to Passover cleaning, that you take a lot of joy in it, and that you would love to help anybody who's feeling overwhelmed by it or doesn't quite know what to do. Does that Am I reflecting reality correctly? Totally. This is my favorite time of the year. Why? So there's a couple of reasons. There's the just like personal thing that I love to plan for stuff and then execute it. I'm a totally type A person and I love to create spreadsheets and create a plan and then see that plan actually come to life. And it doesn't matter to me if I'm planning a vacation or I'm planning how I'm going to clean my kitchen. I find it very satisfying to just check things off a to-do list. And so Passover totally feeds into my type A personality. But on a deeper spiritual level, Passover is my favorite holiday. And my second favorite holiday is Yom Kippur. And so in the way that Elul as a month helps me lead up to the high holidays and prepare myself for what I want to get out of the high holidays so that I kind of show up with an agenda and I know what I want from that day, Preparing for Passover helps me get more out of Passover because it's on my mind in a really serious way long before the holiday starts. Like, I think I would find it jarring to show up to Seder and have to think about being free if I hadn't been ruminating on that for a couple weeks. And so when I start to plan for Passover and I start to think about like, okay, I got to order almonds and I got to make sure that I don't use my oven from this period to this period. And I got to get the dishes out and I got to find the pot that's big enough to boil everything in. It sort of primes my brain to start thinking about the things that I want to think about at the Seder. Like it makes the telling of the story meaningful to me because I've injected meaning into this whole season. So for a person who is less familiar with the idea of cleaning a kitchen in a systematic way that could involve spreadsheets. Could you describe what this actually looks like for you? You know, like kind of in order, you know, what process we are, we are now a week, a week and a half out from Passover. So, you know, what's the process you're going through and how, and how is this satisfying that, um, that itch to check things off the list? Yes. So I actually started planning for Passover about two weeks ago when I made a spreadsheet with the foods that I want to have at each Seder. And then I actually planned out all of my meals for all of Passover and made a list of all the ingredients that I would need and the quantities so that I could start planning my grocery shopping. And instead of having to do one massive shop a week before, I could start like, oh, if I see something on sale, I'll just pick it up. 
So that was the first step in my planning was like, what am I going to eat? And that also helps me recognize what kind of cooking tools I want, I need to have available. Like if I don't see anything on my menu for the coming week that is going to need to be baked or roasted, I might not bother to do anything to my oven. I'll just seal the oven up with some tape and forget about it for the week. But if I'm planning to eat a lot of baked potatoes, then I know I want to clean my oven, for example. Um, it also helps me plan out how many different pots and pans I want to have available. Some people have the luxury of having an entire set of dishes for Passover. In addition to regular dishes, I don't have that luxury. So I have to plan to kosher whatever I want to use or buy new. So if I know that I'm going to be making something that is going to use four different pans at the same time, I need to either plan to have four pans available or change the plan of what I'm going to eat so that it's less labor intensive. So my first step is the food. And then it's like, okay, which of those things do I use least frequently? Like I use my stove every day, but I only use my oven every couple days. So I can clean my oven a few days out and then just kind of close it and put some tape on it to remind myself not to use it and know that that's done. And I know that my stove, I want to do closer to Passover so that I can continue using it with my regular stuff. Um, what's it going to look like for you to kosher, make, make kosher for Passover your stove? So I try to minimize my waste in Passover and try not to just cover everything with tinfoil um, because that feels wasteful in a way that doesn't make me feel free. It makes me feel burdened to a capitalist system. So um, what I'm going to do is clean off all of the grates and the sort of bottom of it. I have a gas stove. So a thorough cleaning, leaving it for 24 hours, and then I'll pour boiling water all over the bottom part of the stove. I take off the little pieces that are like the ignition or whatever and pour boiling water on that and dry it off. And the grates I put in the oven when I run a self-clean cycle. For me, that is that satisfies my need to heat them beyond the temperature at which they were ever used, um, which is sort of the general halachic principle of keeping things kosher for Passover is like, However, something absorbed heat, that's what you need to do to kind of get rid of its not Passover essence. Is there, is there like a, a drosh in that, that like whatever it is that makes a substance kosher or rather whatever makes a substance not kosher, you use that same, that same uh, process. So if it's heat in this case to make it kosher. Totally. I mean, first of all, I think that's like, a great educational lesson. When I was working with kids, I was really focused on creating consequences that were logical to the actions that the kids had taken. So if a kid had thrown a kick at another kid, I wouldn't just make him like sit down and write lines in a corner. That's not appropriate to what he did. I needed to think about something that related to the physical hurt he was trying to create and the fact that he forgot how to use his words in that moment etc. So I think there's sort of this, our consequences for our actions should match the actions themselves. That's actually how we do chuva, right? Sort of like helping our dishes do chuva for what they've done during the year. Um, but I also think it's a really good reminder in, you know, Passover sort of the six month checkup mark on the high holidays. So it's a good reminder to us to kind of go through like, what have I done with this thing over the last year? What have I used this pot for, which helps me remember all the meals that I cooked and enjoyed with people and the soups that I intended to make, but didn't get around to. Like when I think about what my dishes have done, it's kind of a little like remembering what's happened in the past in a way that brings up 
sadness and joy and nostalgia and grief and all of the good emotions that help me then feel more free on Passover to move into a new version of myself. That is such an interesting way to think about our dishes and our table and our kitchen, you know, as having a kind of independent memory that we get to jog when we like come into closer relationship with them by cleaning them, by like getting in there and scrubbing or pouring boiling water. That's really interesting. I love that. I love that. Um, to avoid waste, uh, you know, just speaking to our, our listeners who might be wondering, well, like, how do, how do we avoid waste? I also don't have Passover dishes. Um, I'll say I went to the dollar store about, I don't know, 15 years ago in Los Angeles, and I am still eating off the glass, like the four glass plates um, and the cheap silverware that I bought at the dollar store low these many years ago for Passover. And they, so they are, it's not like a full set of meat and dairy dishes or whatever for Passover. Um, but I'm wondering like, do you have a, a Passover set of dishes? Like, what do you, do you have a set of regular dishes that you kosher for Passover? What do you do? Yeah. So, um, my biggest problem is actually the space to store a second set of dishes. So I happen to be lucky enough that I grew up in a family that did a lot of entertaining and had space to store dishes. So this year I'm doing a combination of borrowing some of my Bubby's old things that are sitting in my mom's basement right now. Um, and that my mom doesn't need for her own Passover. So we'll borrow some of those things. And then we'll kosher as much as we can. And when I furnished my apartment, when we moved here, I actually tried to buy things with the eye towards, can I kosher these easily? So like I bought silverware, that's all one metal piece that doesn't have any ridges in it so that I knew it would be super easy to just put it in a pot of boiling water to kosher it and not have to worry about anything getting in the crevices. Um, and you know, we have a cast iron pot and um, skillet that we use. And so we'll kosher those because you can just stick the whole thing in the oven on the self-clean cycle as well, not have to mess around with a blowtorch and not have to worry about pieces melting or like the little crumbs that get stuck in the crevices between pieces, you know, so I'm going to sort of be doing a combination. And as I said earlier, I also try to design my menu for the week with minimal vessels involved. So we eat a lot of microwaved matzo pizza because it's pretty easy to throw that on a plate and throw it in the microwave and not need to worry about having a bunch of pots and pans available. Um, one of my favorite things about how to kosher a microwave is, will you describe how to kosher a microwave? Yeah. So this is the easiest thing you can do. You put a glass of water that's mostly full in your microwave, and then you set it for as long as your microwave takes to boil a glass of water. My microwave takes like four minutes to bring a glass of water to a rolling boil enough that a good portion of the water, some people say like three quarters of the water has disappeared, has turned into vapor. And then you're done. I mean, you should clean it up beforehand, but you should clean your microwave regularly anyway. Um, something we all forget to do. It's like clean the microwave, put a glass of water in there, boil it until it's mostly forgotten, but don't totally forget it. Cause if the glass goes empty, it might explode. And that's really unfortunate. I love that. All right. Um, do you think it is possible to go overboard preparing for and cleaning for Passover? As a person who loves it, is it possible to take it too far? If it's driving you crazy, yeah, right? Like if, if you're going to show up to the Seder joking about, well, I understand this quest for freedom because I've been enslaved to cleaning my kitchen the last week, 
you might be taking it overboard. Um, you know, like it, you don't have to do everything. Hopefully this will be one of many Passovers you celebrate in your life. And so if you're just getting into the practice of doing stuff to prepare your kitchen, you don't have to worry about doing every little thing this year. Hopefully you will have the blessing of celebrating Passover again in the future and the process will feel easier the more you do it. Um, but, you know, I think you should do enough to feel it. It's one of the reasons I run marathons is that my body is suited to endurance. And so when I only run three miles, I don't really feel it. I need to go far enough to feel the effort that I've put in to feel like something has changed in me. So that's as much koshering as I would do is to feel like something has changed in my house, in my life. That is a great kavana, a great intention to go into this last leg of preparing for Passover. We're a week and a half out as we record this, but as we as we drop this episode, it'll be closer to Passover. And um, thinking about this as kind of an endurance sport in which there's no winner, but we we all win when we actually feel a little bit changed or that something in our life has changed or something in our home has changed. We pushed ourselves um, not to the breaking point, but to a point where we actually feel moved, transformed. So thank you, Rabbi Dina, for this little lesson in making meaning of Passover cleaning. Of course. What a pleasure to drop in. Thanks, Rabbi Lizzie. been listening to a bonus episode of Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago, a Jewish spiritual community and part of the Jewish Emergent Network. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and check out Rabbi Dina's podcast, The Morning Scroll, which offers three-minute bite-sized Parsha every week to keep you liturgically up to date. Lastly, if you're able, please leave us a review. Apple reviews are super important for helping folks find the show, and they make us feel nice. For example, a listener with the username Lewittis generously wrote, More great Jewish content, highly compelling and insightful fresh thinking, consistent with all of the thought-provoking perspectives always on offer at Mishkan. Thank you for leaving a review, Lewittis. Until next time, Chag Kesher V'Sameach, a healthy and joyful Passover. This show is produced by our dedicated team at Mishkan. Editing and production of this podcast is by Hannah Rehack. Administrative assistance and voiceover by me, Zach Weinberg. And editorial oversight by Director of Communications, Ashley Donahue. Our music is by Kalman Strauss. Find out more about Mishkan Chicago at mishkanchicago.org, where you can also make a donation. 